My name is Chris E., and I am a woman in long-term recovery, which means that I have not found it necessary to have a drink or a drug since September 26, 1997. It's a pretty long time. Uh, <laughs> but I know there are people who have been sober longer than me and many people to come after me, thank goodness. Um, but my story started when I was in middle school. I was um, I was bused into the suburbs for my education. So I, you know, I was living in the city, but bused out to the suburbs. And so, like already there, there was a bit of discomfort just to, you know, live in one place and be schooled at another place. And um, so I would. Uh, I'd get up in the morning really early and I would take the bus and get to school and, you know, I would have the bus friends or on the bus ride and then I would have other friends when I was in school. And so uh, I was hanging out with my bus friends <laughs> and we had a sleepover party and I you know, I saw them sitting around in this circle and I saw them smoking, I saw them drinking and I wanted to fit in. So I tried what they did. And what I didn't know about myself was that I was an addict. And once I started, I was not able to stop. I remember I called my mom the next day and I said, hey, mom, guess what I did last night? And she said, well, you can't hang out at that girl's house again. And so for me, I, I really believe I was born with this disease of addiction. And and so what that meant for me is that I, I wasn't able to stop and I was going to have to sneak around and, and get what I needed. So immediately I started stealing beer from my house in the morning and I would, um, you know, I'd put it in my backpack and take it to school with me and I would drink in the girls' room. And I also started lying and pretending to be sick so I could stay home. And my main intention was to gather my mother's half-smoked cigarettes or whatever she had left of her cigarettes and line them up on the table and smoke them. And I would get, I remember I would like take a drag and I would get really, really sick and like sick to my stomach and it was just awful. And then as soon as I felt a little bit better, I would take another drag off the cigarette. And that, every time I think about that, I think about how like addicted I was and how sick that was. And that was literally within a week of that party. So for me, I was off and running and, and I loved it. I loved drinking so much um, and smoking all of it. Uh, so, you know, my life kind of went on and I would be drinking in the girls' room and smoking in the girls' room. Tell a little bit about how old I am. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was middle school. And by the time it was time to go to high school, my family relocated to Houston. And it was a good thing because um, at that point I had been... Um, I had kind of worn out my welcome with my best friends and uh, and it was time to leave town. So 
I was like, okay, this is going to be great. I mean, of course, there was a part of me that felt like my world was being completely ripped apart. But there was another part that was like, okay, this is great. I can start all over again. And um, I can start fresh. And <laughs> so off we go to Houston. And the first, uh, one of the first people that I met was someone from my hometown who was actually had been there maybe a year or so before we got there. And he happened to be a drug dealer. <laughs> and uh, so because he was from my hometown, I felt some comfort there with him. And because he was a drug dealer, I was like, well, this is kind of awesome. I've got a, a friend who can, who can hook me up. And, uh, you know, so I would hang out with him and, and, and do things with him. But then in school, I was like Miss Goody Two-Shoes. It was, you know, I, I always thought I was a good girl and I always wanted to be a good girl. So it was, you know, so again, I'm in Houston, but I'm still feeling that split personality where, you know, one part of me is good and, and trying to get good grades and, and, um, and you know, be a part of the the I was an, an actress and so well I still am um, and so I was trying to be a part of the theater group and then I'd go home and I would hang out with this guy and and you know by then I was smoking weed and I might have actually even started smoking before before I even got to yeah actually I did start smoking before I got to Houston but the fact that he was dealing was you know helped me to stay hooked up um so again, I've got the split personality thing going on. And then he introduced me to, to cocaine, which was, ended up being like my favorite thing to do. And I'll never forget the first time I tried it. I didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to feel. So I just, I don't, I didn't think I was feeling anything. It might've been really bad Coke or something. Um, but because I didn't feel anything and, and good addicts that I am, I decided that I would try it again. And it became my favorite thing to do. It was just, I just loved that, loved that high. Um, but it was expensive and, you know, so I didn't get to do it as often as I like to do it. Um, and I made sure that I stayed friends with him so I could get, make sure I had some. And so, you know, got the split personality thing going. Now I've tried cocaine. I find I like it. Um, school is progressing pretty well. I was, I was doing well enough and loving the acting thing so much that I auditioned to get into uh, a performing arts high school. And I was able to get in, which was awesome. And I spent, the, I spent my sophomore year in high school there. And... Um, It was awesome. I really, really liked being there. And I thought, well, this is wonderful. My career is going to, this is going to help with my career. I mean, I wasn't thinking career, career, but I was thinking, you know, I love acting and I'm going to graduate from this school and have a fabulous acting career. And, um, you know, and at the time we had a smoking area in the school and there were there were kids out there who were dropping acid and smoking, of course, because we could smoke. And 
so the drug thing, you know, the it, it hadn't left me. I was still doing it. I was still surrounded by people who were doing it. And, um, and so again, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a good kid. I wanted to get through this, like get through this school, but I was pulled again by the drug scene. And, uh, so one day a friend of mine, my best friend at the school, we decided we would go hang out at Hippie Hill in Houston. And, um, and it really wasn't even a huge drug thing. We were just kind of, we were going to play hooky and just kind of take the day. And we got caught, ugh, which was ridiculous, but we got caught. And, um, you know, don't try this at home. We called the school pretending to be our parents or something. It was just wrong. Um, but anyway, they caught us. And I was given an ultimatum and told that I would either need to change my concentration or I would need to leave the school. And um, and I didn't want to do anything else but be an actor. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't consider myself a dancer, a singer, a writer, any of those things. I was an actress and that's all I wanted to do. And so my best friend found something else to do, but I, I didn't. And so they kicked me out of the school, which was devastating to me. I mean, I just, I lost my mind with that. I, re I remember I was like so upset and I, I flipped my mattress and my sister was in the other room and she's like calling my mom saying, you know, she's really freaking out. I don't know what to do. And, um, I was just devastated. I was devastated. And what that ended up doing was causing me, well, the way I ended up responding to that was that I, you know, the high school that I went to next, it made me hate the school. <laughs> um, you know, because it was not as good as the school that I was at. And they were all just regular people. They didn't have to audition to go there. And, and they weren't special. And I wasn't special anymore. I had to try to fit in amongst these regular people. And the only way that I was going to do that was to continue to use. And, um, and so I did, you know, and, and again, this whole like this split personality thing happened. So I, I get to the school and, you know, I hated being there. I was sulking and, bleh. um, but I thought, okay, I'll hang out with, with the theater people anyway. And, um, I'll, you know, and, and I'll try to be good too. And so anyway, I found the drug people. It's really, let's bottom line is I found them and ended up hanging out with them. And, and at the time I was underage, so I was obviously I'm in high school. Um, we would be, we would sneak into these bars. Um, if you, if you went to the bar early enough before they started like, um, IDing you and, and stuff and checking. Yeah. Before they started checking ID, you could get a hand, your hand stamped and then, um, and then go back later when it was like, you know, good times rocking and rolling. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm hanging out with them. 
um, hating my life. We were drinking, we were doing all kinds of different things. And mind you, I still had my friend who was dealing. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I was definitely spiraling. I was definitely spiraling. I didn't know yet, though, that I was, that I was an addict. It would take, you know, I, I graduated from high school, finally, and, um, and moved back to my hometown. And it would, it wasn't until I got to college that I realized I had a, I had a problem, because I was, um, you know, I attended a local college, and I, you know, it's just, it just, the drinking and the drugging and the, you know, it all just followed me even to college. And I, uh, and I noticed, I noticed there because I started wondering why I was driving with like alcohol in my glove compartment. And, you know, I'm living in the same neighborhood that I was going to school in, but I, kept a bottle in the glove compartment and I couldn't get from one place to another without, without drinking something. And, um, it was really just becoming noticeable. And I I remember in, in college, I asked my best friend why she drank and she said she drank because she liked the taste and she was very sophisticated. I thought, you know, she was a great girl. Um, and she said she liked the taste of it, and it took the edge off. Um, and my response to that question is that I like to get drunk. And so that was my first clue. Um, things started happening to where, you know, I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to drive home from, from cast parties. You know, again, I got involved with the theater department. Um, I wasn't able to drive home from cast parties. I'd have somebody take my car and drop me off and then I would have to find them again the next day and you know hook up with them somehow to get my car I thought they were being a good friend and they were thank goodness I wasn't like driving myself home in the state that I was in but um it just it just continued to get continued to get worse and worse and worse um I'm gonna backtrack a little bit because there was a time where um, I had decided to start to go to church with my grandmother. Um, after, after I graduated from high school, I took six months off before I went to college. And I was hanging out with my grandmother, and we were going to church, and I stopped smoking cigarettes, and I stopped drinking and doing all this stuff. And, and it was good. It was good. Um, but, you know, again, once I got to college, I was at a party, I had a cigarette, I had a beer, and it would be 10 years after that before I would find my way to sobriety. Um, so anyway, just wanted to tell that story because there, I was trying to stop, you know, I definitely was trying to control the way that I was drinking. Um, once I graduated, I remember I took a trip to Amsterdam and it was a graduation gift to myself. And the main reason to go was to, you know, explore Europe. I was like, gonna explore Europe. It was gonna be pretty awesome. And I was gonna go to England and Germany. And we landed in the Netherlands. Um, And I didn't get out of the Netherlands because they had coffee houses there. And so I got very comfortable walking around with 
like hashish in my pocket. And I think we were there for 10 days and I went to 17 coffee houses or something. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah. And, and so it was just, I was doing it all the time and yet I was trying to control it. And, you know, it started to get, I just want to get to my bottom, (laughs) which is, um, you know, my first, the first time that I realized I needed to get sober was, uh, was when a friend of mine, his father had died of alcoholism and I was at the funeral. And while I was at his funeral, I heard a voice say, if you keep drinking the way you're drinking, you're going to end up just like this. And that freaked me out. And of course I had to go take a drink because, you know, you hear dead bodies speaking, that's a reason to drink. Um, actually, anything is a reason to drink for me when I'm active. Um, but yeah, so a couple of weeks after the funeral, I was drinking at home. I was using at home. I was definitely back into the into the cocaine and stuff. And by then, it had another name. <laughs> um, I was smoking it like anyway, whatever. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, I was on my way into a blackout and I remember I picked up the phone and I called my grandmother and I said, grandma, I think I might be an alcoholic. And she said, okay, Chrissy, let's pray. And so she prayed with me and, and then I just like, didn't want to talk to her anymore. And so (laughs) I was like, okay, I gotta go grandma. But my next phone call was to my, uh, my boyfriend whose father had just died and I asked him if he thought I was an alcoholic and he said well I don't know if you are but maybe you should try to get some help and so that was the first time that I I reached out for any kind of help and that was in 1995 um you know I found some folks who were doing what I wanted to do you know they were staying sober and and they were working at it and and I was terribly afraid that if I stopped smoking that I and drinking and all of it, I, that I wouldn't, that people wouldn't like me. My friends would leave me. Um, I wouldn't be any fun. Uh, and I just didn't want to admit that I was, that I was an alcoholic. I mean, it was just, who wants to admit that? It says in this book that I read, who wishes to admit complete defeat. And I just didn't want to admit it. I thought if I kept saying that I was an alcoholic, then that meant I should be drinking. And, and, and if I kept talking about it, then how was, how was that supposed to help me if I kept talking about it? So, um, so I didn't hang out with those folks for that long, but the idea of sobriety was planted in my head and, and that was a good thing. That was a really good thing. Um, for a year, I didn't associate myself with anybody who was sober. <laughs> I thought, I can't hang out with those people because they might make me do something I don't want to do. And uh, But after a year, I, you know, I did more things that I, worse than I had done before. And, um, and it was, I was just so out of control. I mean, the drinking and driving and, you know, the, ugh, 
the promiscuity, the things that, you know, just come along with being a, a woman that has no control over herself when she's drunk and, or, or high. And, um, once that, you know, once that year was over and I had that image of those, those sober people in my head, I thought that I would go, you know, go find them again and hang out. And, um, and I did. And, and I got it, you know, I got, I, I understood. Finally, I came to it admit that I was an alcoholic, that I, I couldn't drink in safety and, um, and that my new way of life was going to have to be a more, a sober spiritual way of living. And, and that was good because, you know, it wasn't just my grandmother that I had some spiritual experience with. I had also tried other forms of of spirituality and religion over the years. I wanted to be Jewish. I wanted to be a, a Hare Krishna. I wanted to be a Buddhist. I, you know, and I tried, I dabbled in all of those things, but nothing stuck. I had to, I had to find out that I was an, that I was an alcoholic in order to like deal with that problem. And then I was able to turn my, my will and my life over to the care of the God that I understand today. Um, but in that year that I was hanging out with those folks, it was about alcohol for me. And the drug that I hated the most, which was marijuana, um, I found myself doing that every day, even though I wasn't drinking, I was still holding on to that one thing. And, you know, and the thinking, which is so insane, was that, well, I don't like marijuana, so I don't have to give that up. Uh, I'm just don't, I'm going to smoke it every day, but, um, but, uh, but it's not a problem. And it took me over a year to realize that it was a problem. You know, it was my behavior, my behavior around marijuana became the same as it was around, around cocaine and around, you know, alcohol and all the other stuff that I had been doing. And so I got honest. I got honest. Um, you know, so for me, my, my day of sobriety is actually the day that I got honest. It's not the day that I had my last drink. Um, and that was September 26, 1997. Um, and I love being sober. I love being sober. I love my sobriety date. Um, it's not something that I want to change. You know, I know a lot of people um, go in and out and relapse and, and can't seem to grab grab a life of sobriety or, or, you know, just get an inkling of hope that their life is worth more than the drugs and the alcohol that they're putting in their system. But I, um, I just don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me. So um, I'm happy to say today I am still an actress and I have been so fortunate because the work I've been able to do with this incredible theater company called Improbable Players has allowed me to, you know, go into schools and, and to other public events and and share the gift of recovery um, and prevention, you know, um, we're a, a touring theater company 
And so my alcoholism and my acting have combined in a really beautiful way. And I've been, you know, with the company for quite a few years now. And it's just, it's a huge part of, of my recovery and my sobriety. Um, I don't know what I would do without it. So, um, you know, I have a very busy, full life today. Uh, most of the people that I hang around with are people who are who are sober, free of substance use, um, free of substance use and abuse, which is awesome. And um, you know, so so many great things have come out of out of sobriety. I got married. I you know, I thought I was going to be dead before I turned thirty. Um, but I wasn't dead. And so I got married. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I get to be a free spirit. I have a, a wonderful relationship with the God of my understanding. Um, that's not just, you know, in, in the morning when I get on my knees. All right. So I don't get on my knees in the morning when I sit on my bum and pray <laughs> or when I'm laying down and praying, uh, or journaling or whatever, you know, I just, it, my relationship with my higher power goes 24 seven. And that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I can't imagine where my life would be if I was still using, uh, yeah. I mean, this, the self hate that I experienced when I was a kid was so devastating, you know? And, um, and to be able to like get through all of that and, and, and stop medicating the way that I felt with myself about myself with drugs and alcohol has just been the best gift. It's just been the best gift. So I, you know, I face things, I feel things. I've come to understand that, that feelings aren't facts and that, you know, I, I have struggled with depression over the years and, um, to be able to recognize that I'm feeling depressed as depressed, as opposed to saying that I am depressed, you know, that's such a gift because I'm just feeling and the feeling is going to pass and I will come out of it. And I, and I have to trust that even if I feel pretty crappy at the time, um, I know that I'm going to get to the other side of it, but vice versa, you know, if I'm feeling really excited and happy, I also know that, uh, that's going to pass too, you know, it's just, it's human, you know, and I tell the, 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 the kids that we've, that I've seen over the years that our emotions can take us higher than any drug and they can take us lower than any, any drug. And so, you know, I count on my emotions for my ups and my downs and I know that they're going to pass and everything is going to be just fine. No matter what's going on, life is good life is good. And, uh, no, I think that's the, that's the end of my story for now. I'm going to stick to that. <laughs>